0: hey folks this week on the show we've got kenny steverson Uh, he's coming off a win in the toyota series southern division event on the harris chain uh had a full field of 260 boats Uh, he made over 100k for the tournament um and caught him really good uh there was some kind of iffy weather on the final day, but the first two days of the tournament featured basically perfect weather. A lot of guys were catching them. We saw a lot of big fish. Um, it was a really good tournament. So we went ahead, dove into that. Um, I feel like he caught them a pretty cool way. Um, and uh, hopefully I can get a little more on the ball with the podcast and like you know keep things rolling a little bit better uh, than I do. Because... As folks know, it's a little sporadic, but uh, anyway, I will not promise that too much. I'm just going to try to deliver, and uh, here is Kenny Steverson, who I thought uh, was really interesting to listen to, so here you go. All righty, and we are joined now by Kenny Steverson, who is coming off a really, truly phenomenal win. Uh, He had 71 pounds, 13 ounces over three days in the Toyota Series event at the Harris Chain, uh, full field running a phoenix so he's takes home over a hundred thousand and he's 25 years old uh kenny man congratulations that was a phenomenal tournament
1: thanks man i appreciate it
0: um i guess just to like get to know you a little bit uh how long have you been you know fishing let's say big tournaments and really how long have you been fishing because you're 25 like you didn't you started fishing maybe 10 years ago, maybe less. Uh what's your what's your sort of history like? What's uh what's your background in the sport like?
1: Um I've always fished my whole life growing up with my dad and then I started getting into tournaments. My that we'd get in a couple little local tournaments here and they weren't very big. I think it was only like they'd cap it at like 18 boats and uh I started out with those tournaments. That was when I was in like, I don't know, anywhere between nine and, nine to 12, 13 years old. And then 14, I really started hitting them hard because I was able to drive the boat myself and everything. Any little open tournament that came to the Harris Chain, I'd fish. And then of course, 16, I got to where I could drive. I fished everything I could put my hands on. So I straight went into tournament fishing.
0: That's cool. And then, I guess you fish a lot of tournaments, most of them pretty local, and then you're, uh, as your real job, you're a lineman, right?
1: Yep, yep. I, probably about three years ago. Yeah, about three years ago is when I got into the traveling with the Toyota Series and stuff like that. That's when I really started getting into it.
0: Do you uh, – I guess we're talking now, you know, maybe plans change after you win one of these, but – do you have aspirations of like fishing the Invitational's, fishing the BPT, fishing the Elite Series? Like, is that next level and like a quote career as fishing a goal oh. for you or not as much?
1: No, hundred percent. That's that's what I'm after. That's what I that's what I want to do. I uh, actually the my my main sponsors, PES Solar. They do solar panels, and I'm you know if. I had to, I talked with, with the owner a little bit and if I get to that level, you know, of course I still need a job that he would still sponsor me and I'd still be able to come and work for him Is what what I'd like to do, which we ain't talked too much about it because the time it came, so when the time, when time comes, I would like to talk to him more about that whole thing, but yeah, that's, so I'm already have it in my mind of what I needed to do and what I what I, what plans would happen if I did qualify. But yeah, right now I'm just trying to qualify. Okay, cool.
0: That makes uh, I I mean that makes sense to think about it ahead of time. Um, but man, the start you had to this year uh could definitely speed some timelines up, which is a really good thing. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. I guess maybe let's dive into the tournament. Uh, and out there's like parts of it that I want to really like try to dig into a little bit, but just tell me about the event. Like, how did it, how did it go for you day to day? Cause you caught, I mean, you caught big bags every day. Uh, but day two, you had twenty seven eleven, And I think day one, yeah. you had the big fish. So like you had like some highlight reel stuff going all the way through.
1: Man, I went down there one day in practice. Like I, I, I knew I wanted to check it. I down to check there it being Apaka. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I wanted to check one spot, and I checked every – I went down there on Monday before practice – or Monday before the tournament, and uh, went down there and went Monday and fished everything new, like nothing that I've ever fished. And found some new areas, new spots, but there was one little, one little special spot in there, and I said I'm gonna wait. You know, it says you always save the best for last. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll check those fish later this afternoon. Well, I don't think I noticed that we were we were getting bites all day, and I mean, of course we didn't. I didn't have a hook in it at all, and I was getting bites all day down there, and I went to my one stretch that i literally found it the year before and i've only fished it once and ended up catching a decent bag off of it but something just told me i need to go check that and i went down there and checked it in the afternoon and didn't get a bite and i was like that i just no i i'm not gonna take that for an answer so i started there tuesday before practice ran down there real quick and shook two fish off I think it was like those fish didn't bite after three p.m. It, it seemed, and they didn't bite real early. So you had to be you had to know the window, like which I knew. I said, well, majority of our bites in practice really were from about nine thirty to one in that window right there because things were heating up. And so I, I had to go down there and just make sure you know I didn't miss anything. And I checked it real quick and loaded up, put the boat on the trailer and went back into the, the main lakes, like Eustace, and I spent the rest of my time there. So I, I didn't spend much practice down there, but just the fish that were biting and stuff, man, I just felt, I knew what was there. But I didn't even know if I was going to go down there or not. It all depended on my boat number day one, and I got boat number two day one. And that kind of sealed the deal, like, all right, I know exactly where I'm going.
0: How can you tell? Because it's... Pretty dirty water. It's not like you can see these fish. You know, what's your, you're flipping with no hook. Like, uh, it just strikes me as being, it it seems like a lot to, like, sort of gamble on. To be like, well, I got some bites, and I'm going to run and lock and be, like, driving for, like, two plus hours just about. I guess you would have done it faster on day one, (laughs) uh, being the first boat. But, you know, like... I remember once at uh, Okeechobee, or maybe it was Kissimmee. Either way, Tim Frederick told me he had like 200 bites in practice, and he was like jacked. And then he caught like 11 pounds or something on day one. So, like, what's the what gave you the confidence to just roll down there and feel that good about it?
1: Um, I just know, like, when, when I flip in there. You could tell the difference in, uh, like, the way they were moving, like, the reeds and stuff. Like, you see it shake they were, and... Yeah, they were spawning in there, and you'd flip in there sometimes, and the whole reed clump would just look like a bowling ball just landed in the water right there. They shook it so much. And then, of course, you'd get some other ones that would just barely shake, and you could just... Uh, I, they were so... They were chewing so good in practice with no hook. I brung, like, three or four of them up to the surface with no hook. They wow. just wouldn't let go of the worm. And That's amazing. So I knew what kind of quality I was getting. Like, consistent quality of them were good. You know, I like, the ones I had, I, I brung one up that had to have been close to five, and then I brung another one up that was three. And, like, they were so aggressive for some reason. Like, you could literally pop it out of their mouth, and then they would hit it again in practice. Like, it was – they were definitely chewing in practice.
0: No kidding. That, now I think that helped me go ahead. Yeah, yeah. are like, hey, I got these fish just ready to chomp. Yeah. Yep. Um. Day day one, were you fishing? I I was reading Newell's story, and he was like describing to me how slow you were fishing, and you know, he said like you would roll in, you'd put your poles down, and you'd essentially like kill time while trying to like let the fish forget about you or something like that. Can you kind of describe that? And then did you practice that same way? Like, are you creeping around the lake at a quarter mile an hour and practice
1: too? It's funny you say that, uh, the way I figured that bite out, I, uh, was watching a gator eat a bird and my line's just sitting there in the water and I'm sitting there for like 20 seconds and all of a sudden, my line goes, boop, and it takes off. I'm like, what the heck? I said, oh, I got one on. You know, of course, no hook. And I said, holy crap. And then I go down the way a little bit, flip in there. And I'm just going to let it sit. Dead stick, like slack in the line, everything. Boom. and did it again. And, like, I was counting in my head. I'd try to leave it in there between 15 to 25 seconds before I'd move it. Wow. That's how I figured that bite out. And I I, I fish really slow as is. Like a bunch of my buddies give me crap about it. But like I said, as is, I fish slow. But this time it was like really slow. But a lot of times, too, I will say, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily the bite was that slow, though. It was just I was there and the fish, I had to wait on the fish to come in is what was so slow. Like, I would go in there and power pole down in, like, the first 10 minutes. I mean, of course, I'm flipping around, but I'm kind of just, like, knowing in the back of my mind, like, I'm not going to get bit right now. I'm not going to get bit. And then, after, like, it was, like, 10 minutes, man, the lily pads and reeds would start shaking. Like, it would just hit. It was almost like, I don't know if I scared them off the bed and they came back or, like, I was just catching them as they were coming in because like day one, so I had the hundred yard stretch and day one, I started on one side of the hundred yard stretch and I fished it all the way down and really didn't get a bite until I got to the end of it. And when I got to the end of it, I power pulled down and caught, I think I had 21 pounds without lifting my power poles up.
0: Oh goodness.
1: Yeah. And then day two, I got there later. I got there at 11 o'clock. I pull in, and I had I had over 20 when my power poles down sitting right there, and I moved over like 40 yards and then caught my last eight-pounder because I had two eight-pounders that day. I caught my last eight-pounder right as I went in there. So that one, I kind of knew where she was because I seen her in there moving all the stuff when I was leaving day one and I just you know mentally knew where she was so I kind of eased in there and slipped right there to her and she was there wow. my co angler caught a five out of that same same reed clump the day before so I knew there was fish there and I was like I didn't know if the five was the male or female so I flipped in there and then I, it was that uh, I think it was I don't know it was like a high eight <laughs> Do you think and it had... Oh, go ahead. and it had a uh, FWC tag in it so I got $100 for that fish too.
0: Nice, nice. Which I mean 100 bucks yeah. is 100 bucks. Even if even if you oh. just made 100k. I mean, take it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's a lot, a lot of gas.
0: Yeah. Um did you uh like do you think you were fishing for individual beds and like when you would clear one out that was done for the tournament or like were these fish replenishing on these reeds or like on these spots does that make sense like could you no, have gone yeah, out I and get... fished a fourth day or a fifth day and fish the exact same stuff do you think
1: you know i i think so i think i could have won another day don't know if it would have been over 20 pounds but i feel like I had a very good chance of doing it again because I only got to fish like an hour, fifteen minutes, hour and thirty minutes day t- or day three because of weather. I I was working another fish day three. I pull in there. And I, literally, I, like I said, I caught day one. Caught them on one end of the hundred yards. Day two, I caught them on the other hundred end or under of the other. Yard, other side of the hundred yards and then day three I caught them in the middle of the grass like in the middle of where I was yeah, you're so it was like a hundred yard stretch and then they just came in on each side of me and they were just moving in consistently I guess every day but they would l- literally go right back in to the same spot where I'd catch one like it was like they were using the same beds wow and and like I was saying, day three, I was I was working one the way all my big ones set up a little bit different than all the other fish that I had, all the bigger fish, and they all set up like a certain way, and this fish was set up just like those other ones, and I missed her four times, and then the fourth time I went down to go get a new worm, by the time I put a new worm on my hook and go went but went back to flip to her we had white cap and waves rolling in on me and it was done you might as well i had to pack up and leave
0: it was that fast i was wondering about that weather because that was a like that final day was an intense weather day like once that weather rolled in you were just toast
1: yeah 100 percent. like bite shut off everything i knew i had like i said not a long time to fish and i had to do it quick and couldn't miss i didn't couldn't miss a fish
0: tell me about that timing perspective because day one you had plenty of time day two with how many other people were trying to lock down to a popka you couldn't have had very long to fish at all or at least you got there really late and then day three you had a really limited window too like did that amount of did that sort of pressure and just amount of I won't say wasted time because you were using it to get to somewhere good but like Dead time was that? Was that scary to you, or did that feel fine?
1: I personally didn't have no dead time because I knew on day two, uh, I said I'm not even going to try to go down there until like eleven. So I went and fished other stuff that I had, and that was I was throwing the uh, Headhunter. It's a that's a new bait company coming out. They're on tackle warehouse. It's uh, Headhunters, and they have a really really nice jerk bait. And, uh, it's almost, it reminds me of the mega bass jerk bait, but this one's a little bit better or better in my eyes. And it's not that much expensive. And I was stopping and I, I thought I was going to be able to catch my limit, but man, I stopped and caught a couple on that real quick off of a uh, active target. But the whole time in the back of my head, I know what I need to do. Like, um, I got to go down there. So that was kind of hard to fish, but I made sure I wasn't killing time because you never know. I mean, if I rolled down in there and caught an eight off the jerk bait and then rolled down there, I would have had over 30 pounds. You know, you never know. I didn't want to kill with time at all.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Day one, day one was probably the scariest to me because coming back, I wasn't worried about, nothing really scared me about getting through the locks. But coming back to the lock, you had to time it just right coming back because, I mean, man, you you get in there and there's – because you can only fit three boats in that lock. Mm -hmm. So you get there and you got 12 people. That's an hour right there. I I sit there and practice and timed it one time. And it was between – anywhere between 19 to like 24 minutes it would take that lock to do a cycle. And that's only three boats. So, I mean, and I think they said, on day two, they said, like, 64 boats locked through. Wow. So, I mean, if you add all that up, yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's, like, constantly, like, there was somebody who locked through and made one cast and turned around at that rate. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, man. was. <laughs> that was, like, my thing. I had, like I said, that day one... They like I was down there. I started at my spot. I got there at like eight ten. We took off at seven. I made great time getting down there because I was first one to the log. Everything. Great time, but I'm like I have to leave extra early because I have the earliest way in, and I have to pray that no one else ain't just like you know, just say six boats or like you know what I'm not feeling it here, and I still have all day. I'm gonna walk back through. If they get in front of me, I'm screwed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That was that was the big scary part, too. And I caught those fish. I had 20, like I said, I had 21 pounds before 10 o'clock. And that was, I almost walked back through at 10 just to save myself. But I went and hit one other area real quick and ended up culling up the 24 pounds. And then after I caught that fish, I told my co-angler, he had four fish. I said, I said no, we'll go somewhere. I said, we'll finish your limit out. And I said we just got to go now and so we I think I walked back through at like 11.50 on day one and after locking through and I had my fish that was like the biggest relief in the world I felt like like alright I made the hard part now it's easy sailing from here for day one at least okay
0: yeah that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense because I, I didn't even think about it that way but I mean you're you're a hundred percent right um as far as like what you were catching these fish on you know your jerk bait was your offshore bait your your flipping thing it wasn't like just a like a weightless senko or something it was like you had some weight to it you had a big heavy duty setup
1: yeah i had i was going on a seven six uh heavy all-purpose rod by Fitzgerald, which is a stout rod, and I was throwing it on their 65-pound braid with their reel, with the Fitzgerald reel, and it was a serious, like, you weren't i put it this way, I started out flipping fluoro, and I realized it didn't matter, these fish didn't matter, so I went to the 65-pound braid, and it didn't matter at all, and these. You had to horse them. They weren't, I mean, once you hooked them, you had a little bit of time to give him the boat and had to keep his head up. Because if not, he's going to bury you down and everything. And you, it might come off. So you had to give them everything you had on the hook set and keep them coming. You couldn't give them no time to, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed, like, it seems like Florida fish, um, especially those big ones, I mean, they are some of the meaner fish you can encounter. Like, I mean, smallmouth get a lot of press for being mean, but they don't get as big or live in cover as heavy as like a fresh eight pound Florida bass. So, I I yeah, can see you, why you need everything you got.
1: <laughs> yeah, you get you a nice pre spawn fish that just pulled up. And that's shallow. Oh, and you set the hook on that thing, and it's like you got to hold on. <laughs>
0: You mentioned that your bigger ones were, like, setting up a particular way. Do you mind to elaborate on that a little bit, or is that the classified part of this?
1: <laughs> uh, all it, I notice is the uh, bigger ones. I really don't want to say too much about <laughs> that. <laughs> that's right, That's okay.
0: Like, You've got, I mean, you man. fish a lot of tournaments down there. Like, there's... If you have, if you can like ease into a stretch of Kissimmee grass and eye up, like, oh, these six spots should be the juice compared to some other dude who just ease into Kissimmee grass is like, I'm just going to flip all this stuff. Like, that's a big advantage. That's totally a reasonable thing to
1: keep to yourself. (laughs) I don't want to sound like cocky by any means because I'm not at all. Um, but I just felt very confident I could go behind somebody and catch them. It was the biggest thing. Like okay. I, I was, I was not afraid that if someone fished the stretch in front of me, that I couldn't come right behind them and catch them.
0: Did you have to just deal what, with that? Because Apopka is a really big lake. Like at the same time, I feel like it seems like people concentrate in certain areas on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean I was in the community hole, you know, up there where everybody was there was boats all around me. They just, I, they, I will give them, there was a lot of guys that gave a lot of people respect, they like how it should be. They knew where I was, what I, like my little area and they left me alone. Like they they could see me and stuff like that, but they never really came in on me. They gave me the respect, you know, like I wouldn't do that to them and they, that was really nice to a lot of the guys too. That's cool.
0: Yeah, that's a, uh, that's cool. And you know, there's uh Josh Weaver said the same thing uh you know at uh at Okeechobee just the other day. He's like, yeah, there were other people in the area, but like on that final day, everyone knew you know he was fishing for the win and they weren't, and they really like they gave him room to work um which is that that's uh, cool I, when that can happen
1: yes, no, and like I don't know that's just a to me that's like an old time respect thing
0: yeah and i mean you're 25 so you're real old you know you've
1: you really uh, you're old school <laughs> um <laughs> uh to take that credit from my dad he's the old school one so i've no i've learned the old school ways through him
0: <laughs> i like it i like it uh you said that um eric Panzeroni was staying at the house with you and he yep. finished i think he finished second yeah he finished second yeah. and he was leading going into the final day. What was that? I guess you guys, I assume you were, your friends, uh, yeah. or knew each other. Cause otherwise you wouldn't stay in the same house, but that would be like a wild coincidence, but just what was the vibe like? <laughs> um, cause that's gotta be a little bit stressful.
1: Um, to be honest with you, it wasn't like you would think, you know, we didn't talk too much about fishing. We had a, a hundred other things we could talk about. And I don't know, man, it, me and him just, it was, it almost felt like we were still just practice fishing. Like it, like we, it was almost like as soon as weigh-in was over, it was like, you know, let's forget about that. And we'll fish tomorrow. And you know, of course, you know, we congratulate each other and like, heck yeah, man. And I'd mess with him because, you know, he was leading the whole time and I'd always mess with him, you know, at the house. And, ah you better check them trailer tires before you leave this morning and <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, but no, it, it was really, I, I think it, seeing how calm he was leading, I think it helped me. That dude is so calm, man. He, he, I, it was insane. He's in here leading after two days and he is just, I don't know. Like, I feel like someone could run over his dog and he would just, well, all right. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. He was just, so, like, he's so laid back. He, he does seeing, seem like
0: he's got ice in his veins.
1: Yeah, and seeing that helped me. Like, all right, you know, like, just hang out and enjoy, you know. Because I had a couple other guys staying here. they like, enjoy everybody here and stuff like that, which, you know, we didn't talk too much about fishing or nothing like that.
0: Did you guys know that you were going to go be doing – Almost the same thing, uh, in the tournament, or did you not like on day one?
1: Uh, yeah, we knew. I knew.
0: Okay. Because like I, I knew like
1: practice. you could talk. Yeah,
0: I, I figure like you know how much do you talk in practice, right? Sometimes you talk a lot, sometimes you talk a little. Both of you guys are like kind of locals there. You probably don't necessarily need to talk a ton, but you know. It was. It's just interesting to me that, the, you know, first and second in the tournament, both locals, both of you did about as much the same thing as two people can do in a bass tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think probably there have been tournaments where the Johnston brothers did the same thing and still might have done it more differently than you two did. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, it was, just, it was just fascinating to see how that developed. And then, you know, on the final day, obviously, you had the big-time edge. Um, but that's cool.
1: Yeah, it was like we both got back after day one, and we were rigging our poles. And, like, me and him both took, like, everything out of our boats because we already knew what we were going to do. And I, like, looked over, and he's like, yep, two rods. And I'm like, yep, two rods. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. That's awesome.
0: That that's really cool. Um What was it like to win? You had like the whole town there, it looked like with you at Weigh In. Um <laughs> one of my uh what's his name? Uh Lance Pemble was like in the group I had him as a boat driver there before. Like I feel like you had just a crew. Um and at the same time, like Winning a tournament like that is a pretty stunning thing. I mean two hundred and sixty boats is like huge. Um I mean heck, like it's huge and you know, you beat Corey Johnston and Jared Lintner and forty other Florida locals. Like, it's a big deal. What was what was that like?
1: Um, it was really cool to do it at home, you know, with the amount of people that came. There was a lot of people that I have I talked to them, but I never would have expected them to come, which meant a lot. Like, there was a lot more people there than I, I expected on uh, day three. I was like, whoa. And it, it was – it's hard to say because, man, it really didn't hit me what I did at all until, like, Sunday. Sunday, it really set in, like, dang, I won. Like, I was, like, laying in bed, like – I woke up and was like, Dang. I did. I, I did it. All right. Now I want another one. And uh, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it, man. Being up there like that, I—I I don't know. It almost it made me like sick in my stomach. Like not bad, but like good. Like I was just overwhelmed with the amount of people that were there and stuff like that. The, the support, I should say, the, the local support that I had there—that was that was really cool on my my part. That was i think that made made it like 10 times better when seeing all the people there
0: that's cool that's uh i i feel like that's one of the best parts about bass fishing like just the the camaraderie you can have and that you know there's a bunch of people who you know they might know you from work they might know you from you know something else they might know you cause they fish against you on Tuesday nights and they wanted to be there. Cause like they were jazzed about it. I think, I think that's a really cool thing.
1: Yeah. And of course, uh, me and the one boy, you were just talking about Lance pinball. We made a pack when we started fishing these where if any, if hopefully we always made day three, but if one doesn't make day three, we have to stay back and go and watch the dude fish for day, on day three. And, uh, I'm sure Rob might have told you this story or something about him pulling up to me out there on day three at like nine in the morning.
0: No, tell me. I'm all ears. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. and he, he pulls in. I'm sure you know how he is if you were in the boat with him. He comes rolling around the corner. He, he has a bullet. He comes running around the corner there, and I know exactly who it is. And he's blaring music in his boat and stuff like this. <laughs> and I mean he was listening to a, a Trey Lewis song. I don't know. I probably can't say it on the on this podcast, but the name of the <laughs> song <right>. at least. <laughs> yeah. But uh he was blaring that and I had one fish in a live well and he pulls up and I I was at the moment I wanted to be like turn it off, leave me alone, just sit back there quietly. He jumps up on the front deck and cracks open a natural light. And I literally just – I had to laugh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's
0: um, amazing.
1: Yeah. But now he's sitting there, and it rained, wind blew, everything. And he sat right there and watched me catch my whole bag that day, which was – having him there on day three, too, it kind of settled my emotions down a little bit. You know, it felt like we were backfishing a team tournament, even though he was 100 yards behind me just watching, just knowing that he was around. I don't know. It was weird. It just kind of calmed me down a little bit.
0: That's cool. He made the cut at Okeechobee last year. Did you make the cut too, or did you have to go out and watch him then?
1: Nope. I went out and watched him.
0: Okay. Okay, good deal. Cool. Um what's the what's the plan for the rest of the year? I assume you're gonna fish, finish out the rest of the division?
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Yep.
0: All right, cool. Um, Okeechobee, you've been to Eufala. Have you ever been there or is that out of state far enough that it's new?
1: It's going to be new for me. Um, I, I've never been up there, but I'm gonna every chance I get before that tournament. I'm gonna to be up there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good uh, research I, on that lake too. Like, there's yeah, a lot you yeah. can watch. It gets hit hard.
1: Yeah, I'll trust me. I've already already started looking into it.
0: Okay, cool. And then I guess while well, well, I got you. Like, you know, we talked about earlier, and you said you kind of you want a career in fishing um if you qualify for the invitationals this year is are you saying yes 100 percent? i'm diving in are you saying i'm i need to do a couple more years regionally like what's your where do you think you're at just mentally and sort of with your progression
1: um really i i feel like if i don't if i don't say yes if i say if i do get invited if i don't say yes that's just a great opportunity that i don't want to lose you know what i mean like i feel like i'm even though i don't think i'm quite that ready for like i've only smallmouth fished a couple times and stuff like that which would be a new learning curve for me up there but i mean you got to learn somehow, and if I get invited to do that, I guess that's the way I'm going to have to learn because I feel like I can't pass that opportunity. You know what I mean? You never know what, what could happen. you you got to kind of just go with it, I feel like.
0: Yeah. I think there's, like, two ways to think about it, and they're, they sort of both have merit. One is you get the opportunity, you know, you should go ahead and take it. On the other hand, if you're good enough to get the opportunity once, and you actually are good enough where you're going to stick in pro fishing, well then, you're good enough to go get the opportunity again. But, you know, that being said, like, you could... I mean, you could have said that you... Like, you could have waited and fished the Toyota Series next year or something if you'd wanted to and been like well you know it's a lot of money i'll fish local and get a little bit better and then maybe you don't win a 100 grand you know what i mean like it's one of those deals where sometimes if the opportunity is there you'd be foolish not to take it
1: yeah exactly especially with the sponsors i have like i said pes solar man that, that for the sponsor for me that i am so lucky to have them as a sponsor and uh I think they would help me out a lot on that that journey if I if I made that which would cool. be awesome.
0: Cool cool cool. Um well, I guess man, I feel like I've learned a lot about fishing in Florida. I'm still definitely terrible at it. Uh <laughs> and it was a super cool win. Is there anything we missed? Whether it's a thank you, or I forgot to ask the most interesting question that I should have asked, uh, or you've got some social media to plug. Um, basically, you know, it's your time, man.
1: Uh, really, I just. You know, summed up everything up I did, or everything that I want to share. I should say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I my Instagram is Kenny Steverson Fishing, which that would help. You know, of course, sponsors look at more. More, if I need more followers all the time, come follow me on Instagram. But uh, the PES Solar for sure, they're like my main sponsor. And then Fitzgerald Rods, I uh, I, I like Trevor, very, very, very good dude. And all of his rods, I mean, can't pick a better sponsor. He's got rods, reels, and weights. You know, down here in Florida, we go through those big weights all the time that they're not cheap um i use like i said everything everything that was weighed in on there was all on fitzgerald stuff other than the bait like line everything so i mean i really use his stuff it ain't just like because i'm sponsored by him and then uh that new new company like i said they're just starting out and they're on tackle warehouse and that's called headhunters they just came out with a really cool rattle trap And it's one of the rattle traps that the line goes through the rattle trap and ties on to your your treble hook. So when the fish jumps, the rattle trap goes up your line, which is really cool. They just came out with that. It's new on Tackle Warehouse. So you can go on Tackle Warehouse and check them guys out for sure.
0: Good deal. Well, uh, I guess for anyone listening who somehow can't read or something, I guess this won't help, but Kenny, K-E-N-N-I-E, Steverson, which is, like, kind of kind of two unique spellings all around there. But yep. I would say it works out. Um, you could stand to update your Instagram profile, though. Because I think you should say that you've won a Toyota Series event. This just says you're fishing them in 2021. So I think that we could, like, modify that slightly. But, yeah. man, uh, congratulations on the win. And uh, I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you giving me the call, man. Like I said, I, these opportunities that come like this, I, I'll never turn them down.
0: Well, good deal, and uh, good luck at Okeechobee. It's, you know, it looks like at least last week it fished phenomenal, and so here's hoping uh, when you guys get down there, uh, it'll still be putting out.
1: <laughs> yep, maybe I can go down there and learn some things from my buddy that made the cut last year at places. His- kicked me in the butt a couple of times but this year i'm going down with a new approach man just fishing just going fishing like i did here
0: i like it well uh, thanks for the time man and uh, congrats on the win
1: appreciate it man thank you yeah.